Don't you just love Advent? I love it. The music and the beautiful decor. Thanks to Sue Lott and her team. Thank you, Pastor Gunner and the rest of your musical team. What a gift. And I'm so glad that you are here, that you didn't miss this. I think you would have been sorry if you had. Welcome to worship. Welcome to Advent at Chapel Hill. We're going to start this morning with a, um, with a Washington geography quiz. Are you ready? How many have you ever heard of a town called Stehekin, Washington? Oh, gosh. I, pron I pronounced it wrong, didn't I? That's why you're laughing. All right, let me try this one. How about Inchelium? I got two people. Anybody? Daisy. I, have, I think you're making this up. All right, Anatone. Anybody? What? No Anatone? All right, that's what we're going to work with. Oh, you are? I don't think, I don't believe you. All right, how about Starbuck, Washington? Anyone heard of Starbuck? Okay, we're going with Anatone then. So if you were to hear that uh, God had appeared in Anatone, Washington, with a major announcement, what would you think? You'd think, Anatone, except for one of you who might be lying. Who ever heard of a place called Anatone? Why would God show up in an out-of-the-way, wide-spot-on-the-road sort of place as Anatone? Well, that was Nazareth. That was Nazareth. Nazareth was the Anatone of Israel, a grease spot of a town on the side of the road. It was a little hamlet of Maybe 500 people. Maybe. It's never even mentioned in the Old Testament. Not once. Nazareth was nowheresville and had nothing to commend it as a place that God might want to make an appearance except for one young girl, a teenager, a remarkable teenager whom God chose for the greatest privilege ever bestowed on a human being. We're continuing this morning in our Advent series as we make our way through the Advent section of Luke's Gospel. Last week we heard of a miraculous conception, a, an old barren couple named Zechariah and Elizabeth who suddenly found themselves pregnant of all things and right in the middle of God's unfolding drama. But that miracle was nothing compared to the one we're going to hear about this morning. So turn with me, if you would, to Luke chapter 1. We'll start in verse 28. It'll be on your screen as well, but it's always better to have it in your hand. Luke chapter 1, starting verse 26, 26. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Anatone. <laughs> to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one. The Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High God. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. 
And Mary said to the angel, how will this be, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. This is the word of the Lord. If I said, for the one, how many would know what I'm talking about? Raise your hand. For the one, for the one. I hope most of you do because we've been talking about it since September. We have been urging you to, to think about and pray for one person in your life, a, a friend, an unchurched friend that uh, you would love, you would pray for, you would reach out to in service, and at some point you will screw up the courage to invite them to one church activity in the year. It's not much to ask. It's not much to ask. In fact, this is activity season, isn't it? I mean, look at GLOW or the Christmas Eve service. What better time for you to make your invitation to your one? And we already have stories. We're already hearing about people who kind of did screw up their courage even though they felt unqualified or nervous about it. And he took the challenge and they have seen God do amazing things in the life of their friends. But a lot of you... I dare say, I hope you won't be mad with your pastor at saying this, a lot of you are still look-arounds. What do I mean by that? I mean, every time we talk about for the one, you look around to see who we might be talking to. Because you can't imagine that God would use you to change someone's life. Or you're too intimidated, or you feel too ill-equipped, or something. You are look-arounds. So I want you to do something, all of you, with me this morning. Would you please raise up your pointer finger? Make sure it's the right finger. There we go, the pointer finger. Now, this is what I want you to do. Would you do that right now? Just point right to yourself and keep it there for a while. Keep it there for a while. Guess who I'm talking to you this morning? The person you are pointing at right now. The, not the person around you, you. I'm talking to you. Because I believe God wants to use you, as remarkable as that might seem to you, in remarkable ways to accomplish remarkable things, you may drop your finger. And if you feel inadequate or ill-prepared or unworthy, have I got a Bible hero for you? Mary was the most unlikely of Bible heroes. She would never have pointed at herself as someone that God might use in this extraordinary way. And yet he did. And God wants to use, I believe, Mary's story this morning, not just to tell us something that happened 2,000 years ago, but I think he wants to use it today to remind you that he would love to use you and you and you and you. And I wish I had the time to point at every single one of you so you know I'm talking to you. I think the Spirit is talking to you. He wants to use you to do extraordinary things in the lives of those around you. And if you are willing, if you are willing, I think this story teaches us three things that we need to remember and believe about the way that God works in and through your life this day. 
all right? So in your imaginary finger is still pointing right at your own chest. And here are these three ideas, okay? First of all, it's never too late. Would you say that with me? It's never too late. Say it like you really mean it. It's never too late. It is never too late for God to show up. It's never too late for God to show up. How many of you parents ever put your naughty kids in timeout? Raise your hand. For those who aren't raising your hand, I don't even believe you. Um, how many of you were the naughty kids that ended up being put in timeout by your parents? There we go. Oh, every hand's up now. Israel had been put in a 400-year timeout. 400-year timeout. And you've got to be pretty naughty to earn that, that amount of detail. And they were. Israel was naughty. Again and again, despite God's love for them, despite God's favor, and God, despite God's miraculous intervention in their lives, they screwed up again and again. They broke his laws again and again. They broke his heart again and again. They would chase after idols. These chosen people out of all the nations of the world, they didn't look any different from any of the nations around them at times. They were just one big disappointment after another. And finally, like every exasperated parent, God said, that's it. You're in timeout. Only his timeout lasted 400 years. For 400 years, God, who had spoken all along to his people, he went silent. In fact, the very last words in the Old Testament, if you were to turn back to them, in the very last book, which is Malachi, these were the last words spoken by God through his prophet. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. And he will turn the hearts of fathers to their children. And the hearts of children to their fathers. Lest I come and strike the land with a decree of utter destruction. That's the very last words in the last book of the Old Testament, Malachi. And by the way, you know, don't you? Malachi was talking about John the Baptist. The last words uttered by God through a prophet is the promise that there's going to come a, a messenger. That's John the Baptist he was talking about. God made this promise. And then, though, he went silent for a hundred years. And then another hundred years. And then another hundred years. And then another hundred years. God had said he wouldn't give up on them. God had said he would send a messenger who would who would usher in a great and awesome day of the Lord. But four centuries passed, and there was no messenger, and there was no new day, and there was lingering hope. I wonder how many of the people of Israel by that time had lost heart, had lost hope. I wonder how many would say, it's too late. It's never going to happen. God has given up on us. God is never going to show up in this situation. But then, then, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. It turns out, it wasn't too late for God to show up after all. It is never too late for God to to show up. And I know this in a very personal way because God showed up for me in this last year after honestly I'd given up on him in this area of my life. 
My sister Dana and I have been pretty much estranged for most of our lives. We're just so different. We don't get each other. We really never have. And after a while, you begin, don't you, to write your own story about your broken relationship. And I wrote my own story. And I stopped trying, and I stopped praying about it. And then the darndest thing happened. In the 65th year, in the city of Gig Harbor, God showed up in our relationship. And I would never have believed it. Dana would never have believed it after all that time. But it turns out it wasn't too late for God. And my sister and I have become friends. We meet for coffee. We text each other. We greet each other genuinely with a warm hug every time we see each other. So I guess it wasn't too late after all. I talked to a friend who at Thanksgiving reached out to a long estranged brother of his Against all hope, really, against all odds, same sort of situation, and for the first time in years, to his astonishment, he was welcomed. It is never too late. Whatever you've given up on, whatever relationship or situation or circumstance has been so broken for so long that you've decided that God has just forgotten, he hasn't. It is never too late. It's never too late for God to show up. And that's the first thing that Mary teaches us. It's never too late. Here's the second thing she teaches us. And you're never too small. It's never too late and you're never too small. Greetings, O favored one. Hail, O favored one, as some of the other editions of the Bible put it. The Lord is with you. Hail, O favored one. That was how this teenage Mary in Podunk, Nazareth was, was greeted by the angel Gabriel. And what was her response? It says that she was greatly troubled at this saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. Well, now why was she greatly troubled? First of all, because that would be terrifying, wouldn't it? We're going about your business and suddenly an angel of the Lord appears to you. You'd be greatly troubled too. But there's more to it than that, I think. And we get a hint of it later in a text that we're going to study next week in our sermon, the Magnificat. There's a little verse in there where Mary, who writes this song that she sings to her cousin Elizabeth when she arrives, she gives us a peek into her emotions in this moment when she says, God has looked on the humble estate of his servant. In other words, I think she was saying, I'm too small. I am a nothing. Why would God see me? Why would God reach out to me? Why would God use me of all people? I'm a humble nobody. Too insignificant to be used by God in any way. The angel Gabriel, in case you weren't aware, he was God's press secretary. Every time God had a major announcement to make, it was Gabriel who was sent on assignment to deliver that message. And this was the most important announcement Gabriel had ever delivered. It was news that had been awaited for centuries. News that God was finally sending that Messiah, sending that Savior to a beloved and broken world. News this big. Well, this should have been delivered to, to Jerusalem, the center of the Jewish world. 
And it should have been delivered to the chief priests or the Sanhedrin. Nope. Gabriel came to Podunk, Nazareth, not Jerusalem. And he came to a 15-year-old peasant virgin girl named Mary, not to the religious mucky-mucks. Hail, O favored one, he said. And Mary was troubled. Favored? Blessed? There's nothing favored or blessed about me, she must have thought. I am not worthy. I am a nobody. I'm too small to be used in a big way. I have a young friend. He is a single guy. He's 30 years old, whom I have really come to care for. So is Cindy. We were playing golf recently, and I asked him about a date that I knew he had been on. And he said, well, it was probably the last one. She is way out of my league. I wish I'd thought this at the time, but later I texted him and I said, she is not out of your league. I could not disagree more. You are one of the most high-quality, high-caliber young men I have ever met. She'd be lucky to get you. Anyone would. Don't you put yourself down. And he is remarkable. This young man, he and his brother were orphaned at the age of 15. Raised by his grandma. By the world's standards, things did not look very promising for him. But God had his hand on him. He's grown him in his faith. He's inspired him to make something of himself. Last month, he got his doctorate. By the world's standards, in the world's eyes perhaps, his chances to make a difference weren't very good, but God set his eye upon him and his hand upon him and his spirit upon him and he is doing an amazing work in this unlikely life. I wonder how many are here this morning who have not yet leaned into your destiny because you cannot imagine that God could use someone like you. You're too small. You're too young. You're too old, you're too poor, you're too shy, you're too insignificant. And to all of you who are too something, this day God is saying, you are just perfect for what I have in mind. When God sets his favor upon you, however small you might feel, you are a giant. So what does Mary teach us about how God might make use of us? It's never too late. You're never too small, and it's never too hard. It's never too hard. When Mary heard Gabriel's announcement, her first response was, how can this be? It's a fair question. She was a virgin, and Luke mentions it three times just to make sure we get that. How could a virgin have a baby? That doesn't happen that way. But Gabriel reminded her that her barren cousin Elizabeth was now three months away from giving birth. Because of the work of the Holy Spirit in her, nothing will be impossible with God. What is it in your life that you've decided is too hard for God to do something about? What is broken that God cannot fix? Is it a broken body? A broken relationship? Broken heart? A broken family, broken marriage, a broken career, broken dreams, or maybe you're just broke. What have you decided is too hard for God to remedy? Mary reminds us nothing will be impossible with God. Nothing is too hard for God. And Mary believed it. 
That's the astounding thing in this story. Mary believed all of it. It may be, I think it is, the greatest faith-filled moment in the entire Bible. You put your head, wrap that head around that for a second. I think this is the greatest faith-filled moment in the entire Bible. Mary chose to believe it was not too late for God. Mary chose to believe that she was not too small for God. Mary chose to believe that nothing was too hard for God. And in that moment, she surrendered utterly to his purpose for her life when she said, Behold, I am a servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. Isn't that spectacular? Behold, I'm a servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. Can you, dare you, believe that God wants to do something great in your life? Through your life, through your witness, even if it seems too late, even if it seems too small, even if it seems too hard. Could you dare to believe that God wants to use you anyhow? You want to hear the magic sauce? The, the magic words that make all of that possible? Here they are. Behold, I am a servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. There's the magic sauce. In other words, God, you are God and I am not. You are the boss, I am not. I am your servant and in my strength I can do nothing. In your strength I can do anything you tell me to do. So in faith, I submit to you. I give my life to you anew. I lay my life before you again, and I cannot wait to see what you are going to do with little old me. We come this Advent Sunday to the table of the Lord, and really it is the supreme reminder of the submission of God's, to God's will and purpose, isn't it? The supreme example of that. Jesus, who was the eternal, divine, all-powerful, Son of God, creator of all things. Jesus, before whom Gabriel bowed and did his bidding. That Jesus. That Jesus, on the night of his betrayal, echoed the prayer that his mother had prayed 30 years earlier. When he knelt down in Gethsemane, on the night of his betrayal, he cried out to his father, let it be to me. According to your word. Where do you think he learned that? He prayed, thy will be done. And when we are invited to this table, it reminds us that astoundingly, as unworthy as we find ourselves to be, we are precious to God. We are precious to his son. And he wants to make use of us. So, do you want to be used by God? Do you want to see God? Then here's the magic sauce. I am a servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. Let's pray. Father, forgive us when we allow your word spoken to us by your spirit to bounce off of us as if we are not the ones that you might intend to use. Forgive us as we look around and assume that it will be others who serve, others who speak, others who witness, others who give. Surely not I will do that. Forgive us that we just can't believe that you might do something remarkable in our lives. And so, Lord, I pray as we come to your table, 
as we come to this example of your submission to the Father, your humility, may we join in saying, I am a servant of the Lord. And will you use that confession to accomplish something remarkable? For we pray it in the name of Jesus. Thanks for joining us today at Chapel Hill Church. If you'd like to visit us in person, we're located at 7700 Scancy Avenue, Gig Harbor, Washington. Our worship services are Sundays at 9 and 10.30. We hope to see you there. To learn more about our upcoming events, visit us online at chapelhillpc.org.